Hello everyone, welcome to Mr. Birdman's Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Mr. Birdman here, and today we're going to be talking about the 1989 Disney-beloved animated classic, The Little Mermaid. Um, as of this recording right now, the live-action version has been out for about a week, week and a half or so. Um, as of this recording, I have not seen that version, um, but hopefully I will be able to... Uh, at some point, but today we're going to be talking about the animated version. The plot of The Little Mermaid involves around Ariel, a 16-year-old mermaid who is curious about the dry land that is above her or the human world. When she decides to make a deal with Ursula the Seed Witch in order to become human, she has uh, three days in order to get a handsome prince to fall in love with her and kiss her, otherwise she will belong to Ursula the Sea Witch forever. Now, this uh, particular film definitely ha does have a lot of significance about it. Um, it certainly kicked off the Disney renaissance, which basically revitalized the Disney brand. Um, prior to this movie, the company itself was barely hanging on as far as animated-wise goes. Um, today, it seems like most animated films take up to about maybe a year or a year and a half or so. But back then, it... A lot of animated films for Disney were taking about five years, sometimes even ten. And the films prior to this one that were being released uh, between 77 and 89 included films like The Rescuers, The Fox and the Hound, The Black Cauldron, and Oliver and Company. And while some of these films would definitely grow a cult following later on, most notably The Black Cauldron, um, and they did make money and mixed to positive reviews, but it wasn't at the height level as Disney films were making prior prior to that period. Um, this film definitely took the Disney formula back to basics, the fairy tale. And it was the first fairy tale that Disney had made since Sleeping Beauty, which was back in 1959. Now, the animation in this film looks very beautiful. Uh, the opening credits is were introduced to the mermaid world, or in this case, it's called Atlantica. Uh, there, there's a sense of innocence about it. It looks like it's a pretty nice place to live. Uh, the musical score at the opening of the film is very heavenly. Uh, we start off, uh, we're being introduced to uh, King Triton, uh, the leader of Atlantica, and Sebastian, his right-hand man, or should I say his right-hand crab, as they were attending a concert that's about King Triton himself, sung by his daughters kind of boosting one's ego but that's all right and of course the youngest one ariel is not there and king triton is pissed we are then introduced to ariel the little mermaid herself and her best friend flounder uh definitely one thing that i do like about ariel as far as disney princesses go is that she is very adventurous she's very innocent about the world around her um, and she's also very curious uh, she loves exploring and uh, finding various objects um, her and Flounder, they definitely do have a strong bond. Uh, it feels almost like a brother and sister relationship. And I could not talk about The Little Mermaid without mentioning Jodie Benson, the voice of Ariel. Um, also the singing voice for her as well. She really brings so much life to this character. Um, I even actually had the pleasure to have met her back in 2018. Um, you know, real sweetheart, very genuine, cares about her fans, never gets tired of being asked about the little mermaid um i also have to say that ariel has also brought to me a love of redheads that still is with me to this day after surviving the shark attack we then meet scuttle who's a seagull voiced by the late buddy hackett and in this scene we're 
uh, Ariel and Flounder, whenever they find any artifacts from the human world, they take it to Scuttle and he basically tells them what it is. So, for example, he says that a fork is a dingle hopper and that people use, and that people use it to brush their hair. Now, Ariel is definitely the youngest in her family. She's the youngest of seven sisters. Uh, and, she is, and because she is the youngest, she is constantly at odds with her father. He doesn't want her to go up to the surface. He thinks humans are barbarians. And, and he just forbids it. He doesn't want her to do it. Um, ah. An- another good part or aspect of this film uh, after that particular scene is it cuts away to Ariel and her most iconic song of the film, which is Part of Your World. Interestingly enough, this song was almost cut from the film itself. Uh, during a rough cut slash test screening, one of the CEOs, Jeffrey Katzenberg, was not really impressed with the reaction that they, that was being seen at. Um, according to Katzenberg and some of the animators, a lot of the kids were just like bored, sitting there, not really paying attention. Uh, one kid apparently was more focused on uh, on his popcorn that got spilled out and he was wanting to clean it up. So it was a battle between the animators and Katzenberg, you know, debating on whether or, so- whether or not this song should be cut from the film. Uh, they did a second test screening, this time with more adults in the, in the audience, and there was much more emotion and much more feel um, in reaction to that scene. So praise God that part of your world was definitely left in this film. Um, like I said earlier, a few seconds ago, it is the most iconic song of the film. Um, whenever Jody Benson does Comic-Cons around, uh, around the world, she always ends her panel by singing that song, Part of Your World. Um, if you haven't heard it live, um, I strongly, highly recommend checking it out. Um, it's really powerful. It's uh, so emotional, uh, even all these years later. After that scene, uh, Ariel began to notice a party boat and falls in love with Prince Eric. And for her, it's just love at first sight. Something that I never noticed um, up until a recent viewing of this film is that Grimsby, Eric's servant, um, is telling him that Eric needs to get married, although it's never really specified on how old Prince Eric is. Now, we know that Ariel is 16 from a prior scene. After the unveiling of a Eric statue, I guess it's his birthday or something, a storm begins and Eric rescues Eric from drowning. We also get another reprisal. Uh, we also get a reprisal uh, from part of your world as well. Um, Ariel is in love and she hums to herself. She's very happy, go lucky, and is just in a positive mood. Uh, Sebastian's right hand. Uh, Sebastian tries to convince Ariel to stay in the sea and that the human world is a mess Um, and that life under the sea is much better. It leads into another iconic song, Under the Sea, which actually won the Oscar for Best Original Song. Um, When it comes to Under the Sea as a song as a whole, it's a good song, but uh, to me at least, it kind of started to drag, um, at least like probably about maybe two minutes in it's like okay you know it's a good song but let's try to wrap this up kind of quickly don't get wrong i still love the song i think it's really good um but uh, on a re on a rewatch view and it did to me at least start to drag uh due to a misunderstanding sebastian slips that area went up to the surface and triton is furious uh, back in ariel's grotto where she keeps all of her collections from the human world flounder uh, reveals to Ariel that he got that statue of her that was lost in the sh- uh, that that was lost during the storm. 
And I gotta ask, how in the heck did Flounder get that statue? That seemed pretty heavy and there was no way that Flounder could have like pushed that by himself. Um, it looked pretty heavy to me. Uh, Triton confronts Ariel in the grotto about rescuing Eric from drowning and... And, and he goes on about saying that, you know, humans are bad and barbarians and evil. Uh, however, he doesn't really give a reason as to why he hates humans. Um, I know it's ex it's explained in other media as to what happened, uh, most notably with Ariel's mother. Um, it's explained in a prequel film that happened years later. Uh, but in this context, he really doesn't explain to Ariel why humans are bad or why she should stay away. Ariel begins to proclaim that uh, to to her dad that you know she doesn't know that he doesn't know Prince Eric or she says you don't even know him and I'm just like uh, to be fair Ariel you don't know him either you barely know him <laughs> so that Ariel proclaims her love for Eric and when and <laughs> seeing watching that as an adult again like my jaw just dropped I was like uh oh uh oh oh no no no. Uh, King Triton destroys the grotto, which leaves Ariel in tears. Now, in come two eels named Flotsam and Jetsam, and they convince Ariel to visit Ursula the Sea Witch. Now, up until this point, Ursula has been watching Ariel via like a crystal ball, just waiting for the right moment to prey on her vulnerability. And as Ariel is being led to Ursula's lair, she's almost stopped by lettuce from Taco Bell? Now, for some reason, that always popped in my head whenever I saw that scene, but it turns out that it's just like people who have been captured or, I guess you could say, victims of Ursula's powers. Um, and for, and, and I, and any time that I had, like, anything from Taco Bell as a kid, I was like, eh, this looks like those people that, like, were captured by Ursula. Ew. So Ursula wants to help Ariel get with Eric, but it comes with a price. Which leads to me, the best song of the film. I mean, even though part, part of Your World, everybody loves Part of Your World, I love it too. But to me, the best song is Poor Unfortunate Souls. Sorry, but it's a villain song. And villain Disney villains always have the best songs. So powerful. And the late great Pat Carroll gives it her all uh, with the song. And Ariel has got three days for Eric to kiss her. Otherwise, she belongs to Ursula. And it was like all the others who couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. They become Taco Bell lettuce. Now the catch is, Ariel has to do it without her voice. She signs the contract, has her friends traded in for legs, and swims to the surface. Eric finds her on the beach, but alas, Ariel cannot speak. Still, he takes her back to his kingdom. And meanwhile, Sebastian is keeping an eye on her, hoping that they will fall in love and kiss each other. And Eric is determined to find the girl who saved him from the sea and wants to marry her kind of rushed a little bit but hey it is disney after all now eric does invite ariel as they prep to have dinner with grimsby she sees a quote dingle hopper and attempts to brush her hair but alas it goes about as good as you would expect not very well and which actually lead in the next scene kind of leads to like my least favorite part of the film granted this is just my opinion um i think this scene could have been cut out it's uh, the whole sequence with chef louis and like you know him chasing sebastian throughout the kitchen uh to me this segment really just has no impact on the overall story doesn't really add anything it doesn't advance the plot um i gotta be honest i kind of checked out uh during that scene it's not very long it's only probably about maybe five minutes i think um 
but yeah, if there was a scene that needed to be cut out, um, this I could have easily done. Uh, this is a scene that I easily would have done. Um, it, and maybe it was just left in there to pad out the runtime. Who knows? But again, that's just my opinion. If you love that scene, more power to you. Uh, we also cut back to King Triton, who is certainly upset uh, with Air with himself because Ariel's missing, and he's realizing that oh my gosh, like my actions have really pushed my 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 daughter away, and I may never see her again. Uh, we then also see Ariel and Eric exploring the kingdom, and to me, like this is uh, a part of the film in which like Ariel as a character really shines because she's so expressive throughout this montage. She's so excited about this new world and driving that horse carriage really. <laughs> That, that scene really cracked me up as well. But time is running out. Sebastian and company are setting the mood with the song Kiss the Girl. Another excellent song, and it has a good time length as well. It starts at the right moment, and it ends at the right moment. Ursula gets furious and decides to disguise herself to hypnotize Eric, and she decides to turn into a human herself, as nicknamed Vanessa. Um, he, she hypnotizes Eric, and Eric announces the next morning that he's going to be married to Vanessa. We wish to be married as soon as possible. This afternoon, Grimsby, the wedding ship departs at sunset. And Vanessa is actually also voiced by Jodie Benson herself, and Vanessa even has her own song as well. Scuttle finds this out and recruits his animal friends to sabotage the wedding, and Ariel makes it just in time to regain her voice. Uh, the sun sets, but unfortunately Ariel turns back into a mermaid, while Ursula laughs maniacally while the guests are left in shock. And though I gotta be honest, if I was a guest at this wedding, I'd be like, what the heck just happened? Like, I was standing here, like, watching a wedding, and then in come, like, all these animals, and all of a sudden I see, like, a live mermaid. Oh, look, cake. Oh, oh, I'm gonna have some cake. Chocolate. Um, but even then, like, that scene, like, Ariel and Erica... <laughs> Uh, Erica's like, what just happened? And Ariel's like, oops, honey, I forgot to tell you, um, I'm a mermaid. So, Katie Jerry Springer, anyone? Um, Ursula brings Ariel back, and Triton decides to sacrifice himself to save his daughter. And Eric intervenes also. The battle is on, and Ursula becomes bigger. Now, the ship that sunk earlier is taken, uh, is what takes down Ursula. All those who were victims of Ursula uh, are turned... Uh, into normal and they were never Taco Bell lettuce again. Now Ariel, however, is still sad because you know she cannot be with Prince Eric. Triton sees this and he realizes that it is time to let Ariel go. Ariel and Eric do get married and the humans and the mer people are aligned together um, to ce to celebrate the union. Um, and, and alas, this was the film that was able to kick off the Disney renaissance. Um, I definitely do have a soft spot um, for this movie. Um, in, doing re in doing research and rewatching this film, I had no idea how much of a cultural impact that this film had. Um, just a few years later, there was a cartoon series about The Little Mermaid, uh, which is a prequel series. Um, it is available on Disney Plus as of right now. It's uh, about 30 episodes, I believe. Um, as of this recording, I've only watched maybe a couple. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'll go back and rewatch uh, this, uh, this, this series again. Um, there was also a sequel that came out in 2000, The Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea. Um, I've not seen that one, but I've heard that it's widely regarded as one of the worst animated films ever made. Then in 2008, we got another prequel, which is called The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning. Um, and 
and in all parts of that franchise, Jody Benson has always voiced Ariel. Um, very passionate about the character, really loves um, hearing reactions like from fans and their stories and them growing up with this. Um, I myself personally am glad it, it, it is part of my world and it is going to be for all time. Like I said, this is the perfect film to kick off the Disney Renaissance um, and things would only get bigger and better as the years went on for Disney. So, but yeah, those are my thoughts on The Little Mermaid. Um, if I so yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, I or at least haven't seen it in a long time, I highly recommend checking it out. I think you will be pleasantly surprised. Um, and yeah, this is uh, Mr. Birdman si- uh, signing out. Thanks for listening, and time to move on. I will see y'all soon. Bye.